Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Welcome to Yena Passaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And uh, Andy, we've spoken to some people from uh, all around the world. We've spoken to people in Berlin, Germany, in uh, New Delhi, India. In Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon. <laughs> uh, but today we're going to a truly exotic climb all the way from Radelaide. Evan Smith, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Evan, you have authored a book, uh, No No Platform, which is coming out in April, I understand, through Routledge? Yes, yes. Uh, at the end of April through Routledge's Fascism in the Far Right series. And it's already causing a hullabaloo. Yes, yes. I had a article published in The Guardian last weekend or a couple of weekends before, just really just saying that the current moral panic about the free speech crisis, crisis in scare quotes, taps into a much longer right-wing uh, trope about students over censorious students and the shutting down of free speech on campus, which I look at in the book and in the article stems back to the late 1960s in Britain. My article was just saying that this is a trope that's been replicated in times of at certain times over the last 50 years, and some people uh, didn't take kindly to it. No, uh, Toby Young? Yes. It was one of them, not to be confused with Toby Jones, who played a... Nazi who had his brain uploaded to a computer in the Captain America series. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about who Toby Young is? Okay, so Toby Young is a conservative figure in the UK. He writes for The Spectator. He, he has been involved in various kind of like conservative projects in the UK for over the last decade or so that he was briefly involved with the Office for Students, which was a new uh, regulatory body set up by the Conservative government. But shortly after his announcement, his kind of backstory of of having certain controversial views uh, made that he had to uh, vacate that position. And because of his uh, the criticisms of him, uh, he's made kind of sexist remarks in the past in writing and on, uh, on social media. He has attended a conference on eugenics 
at one of London universities a while ago. And because of his face, this criticism is that he has been at the forefront of trying to fight back against political correctness or wokeness and this idea that you can't say anything anymore. And in the last couple of months, he's been talking about setting up a thing called the Free Speech Union. And last week, he launched it. So the Free Speech Union brings together, you know, a bunch of names that we know from Britain and North America that have played up this idea that there's a free speech crisis. So you see people who have, are involved with Spiked Online. You see some academics like Matthew Goodwin, Eric Kaufman uh, involved, uh, Nigel Bigger from Oxford. This Malheur exists with uh, the uh, the between the kind of conservatism libertarian contra contrarianism and kind of people who portray themselves as classic or classical liberals and they fit in this kind of space and they've joined together a lot of them have joined this uh, free speech union to kind of fight back to retake uh, free speech because of a belief that free speech is dead is there a connection between the Free Speech Union and groups like Turning Point? No. So they, so organisationally and personnel-wise, no. They both feed on this idea that universities, uh, uh, things in general, that things are too PC, things are too liberal, particularly universities are hotbeds of cultural Marxists and, and left-wing academics who... Sh- and left-wing students who shut down any discussion of controversial topics. They, they both have this idea that academic freedom and free speech is being uh, suffocated in the university. Uh, the Free Speech Union has set up its organisation to kind of combat this through, uh, they, they said they're going to uh, fight through petitioning, through online spaces, and through supporting legal cases to challenge like things like no platform in the UK, while Turning Point, which is a much more traditional conservative alt-right adjacent project, Turning Point in the UK have set up a thing called the Education Watch List where conservative students might, or right-leaning students, might want to uh, dob in teachers that they think are on the left and are indoctrinating students. Turning Point UK is an import from America. So there's a, a much larger uh, group in the US called Turning Point. It's, to, you know, people contest are they part of the alt-right or not, but they're certainly a conservative project and they've been trying to fight this kind of free speech battle on, on American campuses. And we see that Turning Point UK is trying to import tactics from the US into the into the British space. Some of the people who are involved in the Free Speech Union, so particularly people who are attached to the website Spiked Online, they have been actually critical of uh, Turning Point and calling it McCarthyism and so forth. So while they kind of both feed off this fear, a similar fear, that they have different tactics and there's kind of tensions between them. And are they able to point to specific instances of what they claim is censorship on British uh, campuses? So Turning Point UK, they had 
like on their website they had like a, a couple of examples but they were all things like uh, a teacher you know a lecturer talked about um the negative aspects of the british empire without talking about cups of tea you know uh you know the the positives of the british empire and stuff like that they are much more kind of like grasping at straws for this kind of idea of of censorship and bias so the free speech union has a list that they draw on groups like academics for academic freedom which is another organization linked to spiked online uh so there's kind of like a guy crossover and academics for academic freedom like have a, a a list of people who have been uh no platformed or where there have been challenges to people speaking on campus or protests against certain academics so uh and stuff like that so they have a a, a list and they can point to instances but they're not the you know they're not the kind of crisis point which they like to uh portray the many of them are kind of reasonable protests reasonable criticisms or reasonable actions by universities or student unions so while they they do point to certain events and certain incidences the notion that this constitutes a crisis is only if you think that there should be unfettered free speech uh, particularly hateful speech and harmful speech, that that should be left unchecked and allowed to be unchallenged. If there is this idea of crisis, it's only it, it, it's only because the the people think that any kind of resistance to racist, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic speech is kind of fueling this crisis. So, something you talk about in the article is that. Uh there's this idea being pushed with this so-called current crisis that are, uh, you know, the students of today, they're, they're woke, uh, they're snowflakes, and not like the students of yesteryear who, you know, were tough and could take a, you know, a little bit of racism or whatever. But uh, what you found in your research is that uh, actually students have always resisted this stuff. Is that correct? Yeah. So that since the the late sixties, you see that similar you know similar tropes is that when enoch powell the you know the right-wing politician who made a famous anti-immigration speech in 1968 he goes on to various campuses around the late 60s and the students disrupt heckle or picket uh his speeches and there's complaints in the press that Students don't know how to uh, don't know how to engage with controversial ideas. That they 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 don't want to hear anything that isn't part of their kind of like uh, rigid framework. That uh, you know that they're, they're they're shutting down free speech. They're acting like fascists, and it's it's a similar thing. Is that that students have always kind of been uh, challenging these ideas and the and the one and the tropes are very similar that you know that they're they're that they're unwilling to listen that they're uh, too sensitive you know the what has changed is the idea of the student radical so in the 60s and 70s you see the idea of that that students 
don't want to uh, don't want to engage with controversial ideas they don't want to you know they don't want to expand their minds but this is happening at the same time as the anti-vietnam war uh, and you know kind of like widespread uh, kind of student unrest and that that they're seen as a kind of like uh, violent radicals a lot of times but nowadays that kind of image of the student radical has really dissipated so they're still seen as as kind of like unwilling to be engaged with controversial ideas but the student movement is no longer feared in the same way that they're less kind of by the Meinhof and more Orwellian. The concept of no platform exists as I understand it as a, a formal policy on the part of the governing uh, student unions in the UK, but also as a more generalised concept, uh, meaning restricting uh, platforms for racist and fascist and other forms of hate speech, which extends beyond um, university campuses to a whole range of different institutions and, um, you know, I guess, platforms. What's the current status of no platform in terms of the student union movement in the UK and elsewhere. And can you speak to uh, the adoption of this more generalised concept as a way of confronting the far right? Firstly, like, that no platform was taken up as a kind of a tactic and position by the student unions from a more wider anti-fascist kind of uh, uh, movement. It begins in the early seventies that uh, the, the kind of the Trotskyist left, so people, so the groups like International Marxist Group and the International Socialists, and even the Communist Party, that they drew inspiration from the tactics of the nineteen thirties, which was stop fascists from organising in public, don't let them march, don't let them uh, hold public meetings, disrupt meetings, uh, you know, don't allow councils to uh, let out uh, council property to fascist groups. And the term really begins no platform in in the early 70s. So the first use of it is by the International Marxist Group in 1972, where they, they, they say no platform for racists. And they're talking about confronting the, the National Front, so the, the the largest fascist group in Britain at the time by not letting them march in certain areas, not letting them uh, organise in public, not letting them sell their stuff. And it's through the kind of the Trotskyists and the communists in the student movement that it gets adopted as something to the National Union of Students. So in the 70s, you have this parallel. So you have this kind of bureaucratic use of the term no platform to mean that student unions won't provide space or funds to groups that are seen as racist or fascist and that student groups that are linked to student, the student unions aren't allowed to invite fascist and racist speakers from speaking like uh, at debates and stuff like that. At the same time you, that in Britain at this time, there's the the anti-Nazi league and rock against racism and stuff like that. So taking a more general idea of no platform broader than the way that it's used by the National Union of Students. So the things like the anti-Nazi league is like, you know, stop the National Front from marching in, in on the streets, you know, uh, picket 
their public meetings. So like things like the Lewisham, the Battle of Lewisham in August 1977, where students and activists and anti-racists and stuff hold a demonstration in Lewisham in London to stop the National Front from marching, or Southall in 1979 when they picket the the town hall to stop the national to try and stop the National Front from having uh, a meeting in. Uh, indoors there so you have this kind of like dual meaning of what no platform is one is kind of a broader idea of that fascists shouldn't be allowed to organize in public and then there's the kind of more formal bureaucratic use of it in the student unions and they overlap but the the term is used uh in in a range of different ways nowadays that no platform is really kind of used to describe things where particularly in universities not just in britain but in north america australia new zealand so around the english-speaking world to talk about student challenges to certain speakers be they seemed fascist or racist or misogynistic homophobic or transphobic that there's these challenges and that's the way that it's used that so Things like when Bettina Arndt went to speak at one of the universities in New South Wales and there was a kind of a student picket and students trying to disrupt uh, her from speaking, that that was called a, an instance of no platforming. So we have this general kind of idea that student protest, uh, where they try to challenge or shut down a certain speaker, is a form of no platforming. But but it can be used outside it. So there's a lot of talk recently about deplatforming, which is similar but but different. So Hope Not Hate, which is a British organisation, they have really been campaigning to deplatform fascists and racists from online spaces. So uh, so particularly challenging uh, like social media, like Twitter or Facebook or things like PayPal, to not allow fascists and racists to use these platforms and that's called deplatforming. and it kind of takes the concept of no platform in some ways and kind of uses it in a different kind of space but no platforming you know has a, a wide variety of meanings i concentrate more on how it is used in a formal uh, bureaucratic sense in universities you're listening to 3CR, 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We are talking to Evan Smith, the author of No Platform, about no platforming. I think it's interesting when you refer to Aunt that she was awarded an Order of Australia quite recently and controversially and in the account that was given by the body that confers the award, they actually explicitly reference her... Uh, fake rape crisis tour of campuses as being reason for conferring upon her this award. So obviously there's quite a difference of opinion regarding aunt activities on uh, uh, campuses. But I also wanted to ask you, no platform or deplatforming is a practice that's directed at the right wing or right wing extremism. We had a statement from the Director General of ASIA, I think it was, um, just last week, commenting on the potential threat represented by right-wing extremists in Australia. And in response, um, Dutton uh, equivocated on that question and said, well, whatever form this extremism takes, whether it's left or right or something else, 
that's something that we should pay attention to. I'm wondering if you know of the extent to which the state or government agencies are paying attention to these sorts of, to this so-called crisis and these activities on campus and whether or not it's possible that the forces that among students and elsewhere that are attempting to initiate no platforms or deplatforming would be subject to the same kinds of scrutiny as the um, you know neo-Nazi elements that sometimes employ these things in order to gain access to these spaces. And do you have an opinion about that? We know that uh, you know the state agencies uh, pay attention to this a lot. So one thing is that uh, to comment on that kind of ACO idea that there's a kind of a new right-wing extremism and Dutton saying, well, it's both sides, that we see that, you know, we see over the years is that anti-fascists are monitored by state agencies in Australia, in Britain, in North America. The ACO files are actually more recent, so we can see that even in the 70s and 80s that they're monitoring student activities against fascists. One thing I found in the ACO files on the National Front of Australia is that in the late 70s, they're monitoring the student press. Lot's Wife, which is the student paper, I think, at Monash, is there saying that we're reading this and there's a potential of clashes between right-wing and left-wing students are, are on campus uh, at, at Monash, and this is something that you know needs to be monitored. Um, so... It would go without saying that, uh, you know, there would be an interest by state agencies in kind of anti-fascist activities and kind of these kind of no-platform activities um, uh, on campus. The, the state agencies also pay attention to this crisis because it fits into an agenda of kind of reforming what the university is and reforming higher education. And this is something that we see in North America, in the UK, in Australia. So in Australia, there was a government inquiry by one of the Chief Justice French that was ordered by Dan Tien, the education minister, about the, uh, the alleged crisis of free speech on campus. That wound up... I think mid last year, and the, it came out and it said, or uh, you know, that there's been some instances, but the media has kind of played this up. The more that the media plays this up, the more there is this feeling that there is a crisis. So that so the kind of the French report, which comes out, kind of blames the media for hyping the the, the free speech crisis issue in Australia. But it has led to the Morrison government signalling that there will be reforms to kind of protect free speech. And the same as in the UK, that there was a, an inquiry uh, initiated by the uh, Theresa May's government by Joe Johnson, who's Boris Johnson's brother, who was university's minister for a short time. And they had a parliamentary inquiry uh, that led to the creation of the Office for Students. So that organisation that Toby Young was uh, briefly part of, and that has been uh, kind of like used um, to signal there will be reforms. So the Conservatives went into the December election with part of their manifesto saying that they'll act to protect free speech and academic freedom in universities. 
Do you think that would extend to uh, groups like Antipodean Resistance? I don't think they would be covered under the kind of, you know, um, you know, as seen as, as free speech, particularly in Australia. I think that because the Antipodean Resistance kind of contravenes the, you know, the race relations legislation and kind of uh, some of the, possibly some of the kind of national security laws that that they wouldn't that you know they would be afforded the same freedom of speech on campus as some of the more the kind of less extreme groups but you know the antipodean resistance and those kind of organizations obviously will have lots of state attention on them but we wouldn't be aware of it national security is a national security organizations interested in it. governments are interested in it to try and push their own agenda uh they'll signal that there's that you know that the signal that they are going to implement more free speech laws to directly deal with this kind of crisis, really allowing kind of a mainstreaming of a right-wing space on campus. Well, Evan, we'll have to leave it there. If people want to find you online, I understand they can do so at Evan is History at, twi- at Twitter. You've, uh, you've dropped the Morrissey reference. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, no more hatful of history. No more Moz. No more free speech, Evan. Nah, yeah, yeah, we're we're no platforming Morrissey as we speak. <laughs> All right, thanks very much for joining us, Evan. Thank you. Well, Andy, wasn't mm. that fascinating? It was uh, great to invite Evan onto our safe space through yeah. here at Three uh, CR, where he could, in the words of uh, Brendan O'Neill, morally contort himself in extraordinary fashion. I, I I could barely follow what Evan was saying. What about you, Cam? It was very contorted. I uh, I did actually we didn't talk about it but I noticed in this in Brendan O'Neill's spiked online piece uh, having a bit of a whinge about uh, Evans criticisms of the free speech union he said are people not being sent off to the gulag for you know these free speech events and it's like, I don't think anyone has gone to the gulag Brendan unless they're in Russia in which case you're just as likely to be uh, an anti-fascist who's been sent to the gulag uh, Brendan. Well, more on that soon, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, we are Outskies. We are. We should also remind listeners that the show is now available as a podcast. Yes. If you go to 3 slash yearnarpassaran, you can uh, grab the RSS feed or you can download whichever episodes you want. But they're all there now. Well done, Ken. And you promised to keep uploading them? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. So if they are ever not there... Blame Andy. Uh, We are out of here. We'll be back next week. Global Intifada is up next. Bye. See you later. We don't need no education. control No dark sarcasm in that classroom Teachers leave them kids alone Hey Teacher leave these kids alone It's just another brick in the wall All in all, you're just another brick in the wall
it's just another brick in the Another brick in the Bobby. What? If you don't eat your meat, how can you have any pudding? How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? I don't know, Dick. Two, three, four, wall. The wall. Thank you.